cheers of 2022 and resolutions you can actually keep. How about having clean balls? <laughs> clean and shiny balls. <laughs> okay, I'll, I'll try it again. Oh, man. Okay. We good? <laughs> We're good. Everything's fine. We're good. Cheers to 2022 and resolutions you can actually keep. How about having clean and shiny balls all year round? Our sponsors at Manscaped are here to save your balls this year and make the dot make the ball drop into 2022 with the cleanest and sexiest ever. Oh yes, they are. Set your first New Year's resolution with good intentions and join the four million men worldwide who trust Manscaped with our exclusive offer. Go to manscaped.com and use code Tuki for 20% off and free shipping. It's New Year, New Me. God, have I said that before? With the global leaders and below the below waist grooming. <laughs> Let me try that part over again. It's New Year, New Me with the global leaders. Uh, leaders. Literally, literally. It's New Year, New Me with the global leaders and and whoa, the waste woo me. Whoa, bucket big bookies. Um. <laughs> <laughs> it's gonna be fucking forever. This is what happened once the adult leaves the room. Sin, come back. Yep. Sin, come back. <sighs> it's New Year, New Me with the global leaders and below the waist grooming. This year, take your package to the next level with their performance package 4.0 and brand new ultra premium body wash. Mwah. Smells great, feels great. Girlfriend approved? I approve as well. Inside the Performance Package 4.0, you'll find a signature Lawnmower 4.0 we all know and love. This electric trimmer is designed to trim hair on loose skin. The advanced skin-safe technology reduces cuts and nicks to your delicate nuts. It also comes equipped with 400K LED spotlight that will shine a light to the promised land 2022 looks to be. A grooming routine isn't complete without applying Crop Preserver and Crop Reviver before showing off your 2022 self. Mm. His unique formulation. <laughs> Just make sure it's a, it's to a consenting party, of course. Of course. These unique <laughs> formulations take care of the smelliest part of your body and are a big boost to your confidence into the new year. To complete the set, Manscaped threw in their shed, travel bag, and anti-chafing boxer brief as free gifts to keep all your goodies stored comfortably. And a new product that needs no introduction, the Ultra Premium Body Wash from Manscaped solves all three for the perfect addition to your daily grooming routine. But in the shower. It's great. I shower every day. And I really hope you do too. The body wash smells great too. <laughs> it's cologne infused with aloe vera and sea salt to keep your skin feeling clean, nice, and moisturized. Kick discomfort and pour hygiene to the curb this year and use the best tools for the job. What a resolution is to work out more, travel new places. Be sure to travel to manscaped.com for our exclusive offer at 20% off and free shipping with the code Tugi. Tugi at manscaped.com. 20% off, free shipping. Cheers to new balls for 2022. Let's go on to the podcast. What a guy. <laughs> I tried so hard. You made it. You have no idea. <laughs> Hello, everybody, and welcome to another edition of the Toogie's Take Podcast. It is January the 11th. It's the middle of January, almost, already. What the hell is even happening? It's going to be August before you know it, and then we're going to say what happened in March, and then it's going to be December, and so on and so forth. I am here with Mr. Endo Mills. It is us, 
two of the guys, most of the fellas. Uh, no sin here, of course, as we mentioned previously. Alternate Tuesday is sin, unfortunately, will have to be off while we have moved into our NHL gamer coverage-related schedule. But, hey, at the very least, Endo's here. It's not an only toque. It's not an only toque, and I'm happy about that because Endo... Woo, we have some stuff to talk about today. It's a bit of a shame yeah. that Sin had to miss this particular show, but that's honestly happened a couple of times. If Sin has to miss a show, a lot of things happen. You remember when Mark, it was what, Mark Bergevin was fired, and somebody else was fired, and Sin missed that show, and then Mark Bergevin got hired again, which we'll talk about in a little bit, and he misses this show again. <laughs> Uh, man, we should just permanently kick Sin off the show. We'd, we'd never have a shortage of things to talk about. We had, like, one episode, where, like, when it was just us, and then when the Sin was like, oh, this is good chemistry, let's bring him on, and now it's like, okay, like, whenever he's, like, here, like, nothing big happens. We, mm. Like, every time he has to go away, nothing big happens. Sin, yeah. miss you, buddy. Can't wait to see you on, uh, I believe it's Friday. Mm -hmm. Yes, every every Tuesday and Friday for the next couple of months at the very least with this particular podcast. Again, while Sin and I are doing our commentary duties every Monday, Wednesday, and Thursday, twitch.tv forward slash NHL Gamer at 2 p.m. Eastern Time. Make sure to check us out. It's a fun time. Of course, covering competitive sixes at the highest level. NHLGamer.com, the premier place for NHL-related esports. That's right. I said it. Humble, humble brag. Flexing. Flexing in the new year. I don't know where I'm going with this. And no, as mentioned, we have a, a butt ton of stuff to talk about today. And there were a couple of topics that I have bracketed into stories I want to acknowledge to make sure people know that they're important and that we're not ignoring the issue. Stories. Uh, as we... That is the greatest like segue name or like sec of a segment. Of God, usually it's like something like kind of like oh like a cheesy thing. It's like, what do you want to call it? Sto stories I wanted to acknowledge to make sure people know that they're important. <laughs> they we're not willing to ignore the issue. Uh, S i w t a t m s p k t i a t w n i t i. Stewagdenai. Yeah, you brought it together well. Oh, it's our new favorite segment. It's not, actually. This segment sucks uh, that these are particular topics that we actually, again, have to at the very least acknowledge. And like I said, you know, there's been that kind of debate in the past with this podcast of like, okay, obviously, we want to try to keep things in a more positive mood. That's why we have Endo read off the ad reads, because it's hilarious every single time. But obviously, in the world of hockey right now, in the world of sports in general, the world in general, sometimes shit sucks. And you gotta face that head on. I have been in a bad mood for two days because Bob Saget passed away and that fucking sucks. And what a horrible way to start this year. It sucks. It's awful. Yeah. I hate it. Every time I hear the girlfriend scrolling through TikTok and someone will play the Full House theme song, I almost start crying. It's terrible. Oh, but you didn't know him. He was like a father, damn it. Danny Tanner. Anyway, hockey stories. Uh, there are three stories, pretty much, um, again, in that bracket of, again, we could ignore these, but at the same time, I don't think they're worth ignoring, but we don't want to bring down the mood of the show. Uh, the first is, the, and this broke after we had recorded the, the podcast, or like right at the end, uh, it was the story out of PEI in relation to uh, that governing body out there being an absolute 
shit show. Um, Endo, I'll, I'll read off a summary of this. Feel free to give your thoughts or add anything if I missed it. But essentially, uh, 20-year-old player Keegan Mitchell uh, has stood up for a teammate of his who is of Asian descent. Uh, an opponent used a slur in his direction. Uh, Keegan then slashed that douchebag's leg. And both he and the douche were suspended for two games. Keegan then called out Hockey PEI and was suspended indefinitely for calling out how ridiculous that was. And, of course, a lot of backtracking from Hockey PEI. Now, I am sure this particular story, I know you've seen more coverage of it, given that it's a Canadian-centered story. Obviously, it speaks for itself. This is absolutely ridiculous, and (laughs) nobody's surprised because, of course, this was handled this way. The worst possible way it could be handled, and, of course, that's the way it was handled. Yeah, um, I've, I want to say I'm not surprised. Um, there's been like an issue with maritime areas having certain, 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 certain ways of, of thinking, and it's unfortunate that this is happening in this day and age. Uh, it's it's ridiculous that um, Keegan was also suspended indefinitely for this, even calling them out completely. Um, I don't care if it's against your bylaws for people to speak out with stuff like this. When, when something like this situation happens, then maybe you, there needs to be something taken into account too, or something changed within the rules in that organization and their governing rules and bodies. I, I suspect that their 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 um, social media policy is mostly to protect officials and stuff for yeah. slander. But when your official is basically not backing up against racism and stuff like this happening in the sport, what is the credibility of official? What's the credibility of your league going to be? Uh, we'll get to that later uh, after everything that's going on in the next three points. But oh uh, yeah, <laughs> it's a uh, it's not it's not great. Shine a spotlight on it. That's what we're doing. I mean, even for as little of a spotlight as we might provide here on this show, it's everybody who talks about this story. Even if you just talk about it to family members or friends, you are shining a spotlight on a certain aspect of a game that doesn't just need the change within the the PEI region of things. Let's be honest, this happens practically everywhere. This growth is still needed. Uh, improvement is still needed. As is showcased by the second story, which was the video that was put out by the Hockey Diversity Alliance, uh, with players detailing abuse that they've been on the receiving end of, uh, as well as them launching their uh, Tape Out Hate initiative. Uh, And of course, the aftermath of this is hearing that the NHL still hasn't really taken an active role in working with the HDA. Um, It was a great video, obviously. Again, it's one of those things, right? Where it's like, okay, these players could just not say anything. But not only for them to speak up, but to mention the importance of everybody speaking up. And to be uh, like a Keegan Mitchell. To be an ally. To not just be like, oh, well, shit, that sucks my teammate just got relatively abused. But, you know, and to not shrug it off. Again, um, you know, obviously the video itself was was fantastic. And then, you know, you still kind of hear about the HDA and the NHL's lack of a relationship, and it's it's just, it, it doesn't leave a very good taste in your mouth. Not at all. Um, one of the things that I really wanted to highlight about this is that there were two cuts of the commercial. Not a lot of people know this. There is one cut, I talked about this on Twitter, where there's one cut where they have a statement. Uh, the HDA, like, basically, I think it's Matt Dumba says in the, in the video, that they reached out to the NHL multiple times and they said that for anything that they wanted to do and have these players in, they can't use any imagery or likeness of any NHL team or NHL branding whatsoever. Mm-hmm. I think the really funny thing about this too is that 
in one version they have that clip in there, and in one version they don't. The NHL retweeted the one by Budweiser Canada, which does not have that statement. Hmm. But the one that has the statement is the one that's shared by every single other player and the HDA themselves, and it's available on their website. So everyone knew what the what their statement was and how they're not associated together. So basically by them retweeting the one that didn't have the kit, the cut in there, it basically cemented like another like foot in the grave, basically saying that we don't care because there's there's two cuts and everyone knows that there's two cuts and no one's letting them take this down. Now, I I'm not going to say bad on the social media manager because they probably just telling people what to do and they see this thing out there. Oh, our partner's posting it out. We have to put something out there as well. I'm pretty sure they would put HDA as well because they're in the branding with that thing as well. But the NHL themselves don't want to partner with them and acknowledge them. That's on them. I think it's disgraceful. I think it's showing that they don't really want to start a conversation or initiative. It's Um, them, and sorry to cut you off, but it's them not wanting to take any sort of stance that could be deemed as controversial, as controversial as it is to side with the HDA. Like, it's just... It's such a, a money-first, overly political move where you look worse and take more heat by essentially ignoring the issue than you do by actually addressing it. Which, uh, coincidentally, that's, again, why we talk about these subjects on this show. Exactly. Uh, it's just, this is a big slap in the face to everyone that's working hard there to be disrespected. Uh, and basically, I think... Um, Akim Leo said in one of the statements that there are active guys in the NHL who are a part of this organization and basically being told that your technical, like the company that you technically are contracted to work for is basically saying that your voice doesn't matter and your voice doesn't really have any, basically any merit hmm. in a way. Like we won't support you, but you can still work for us and, you know, just dance and make us money. Yeah, honestly, it's shocking the the way the NHL handled this when they were first in the bubble situation and Matt Dumba became the first player to to take a knee during the anthem. Um, in, in terms of the NHL, you know that they care so much to be treated like a big sports league, like the NFL, like the NBA. I uh, can't really say baseball at this point because Lord knows they have their own issues. Uh, and it was such a slam dunk to, to handle this entire uh, emergence of the HDA and their relationship with them. It was a slam dunk and a half to win over good press, and they... Uh, they blew it, and unless you have anything else to add, we can talk about again how the NHL has this tendency to blow it. As Rick Westhead is at it again, this man will not stop until the NHL either fixes their shit or disbands at this point. The headline today on a TSN article, and of course this is led by Rick Westhead, Katie Strang is also involved from The Athletic. Um, The headline, of course, former NHL off-ice officials allege they were fired for being whistleblowers on racism. Now, again, you can read the full story there. We won't totally get into it. I will mention that the article by Rick Westhead has this quote. uh, The legal complaint is similar to another lawsuit that was uh, filed against the NHL in November of 2020 by a former uh, NHL official in Tampa who settled his wrongful dismissal case with the league last year. So there is uh, precedent for a potential case like this. And here's the thing, right? It's believable that this happened. And that is the problem. 
I am not going to sit here on this show and say, okay, burn down the lightning, because the lightning are involved in this. Burn them down. I'm not going to say that. Um, and again, I, uh, you know, at times, sure, we could be a bit reactionary. Um, you know, previously on this show, you know, when the Evander Kane stuff came out about his wife, when we first learned about it, and yeah, it painted Evander Kane into a very bad light, and obviously there have been continued um, developments with that, for better or worse, but the end result was, and what I had said then with Evander Kane was, it's believable, and that's, that's the problem. It doesn't seem out of your character for some of the things you're being accused of to have potentially happened, and similar to that, the NHL right here, right now, we're going to see how it plays out, but you don't really get the benefit of the doubts. The Tampa Bay Lightning don't really get the benefit of the doubt. At this point, it's so believable that this could have happened. It's on you to kind of prove your innocence and prove that there was no wrongdoing here. So, again, we're still in the very early stages of this. But at the same time, what's a recent story that Rick Westhead has kind of latched onto that hasn't had some merit behind it? Yep. <laughs> Uh, absolutely. Um, I, I, I got nothing else to say. It's just, he's on a roll. Um, I wouldn't want to, I hate to say that something like this is like being on a roll, but this is proof that journalism is still like alive and well, and that people are still out here trying to fight for what's right and trying to make sure that things are proper and people are accountable for held accountable for what they have or haven't done. And my congratulations to him for sticking to his moral, his, his morals and getting this out there. So again, uh, those topics very much in that realm of like, hey, you can see why they're not the most fun discussions to have about stuff going on. But at the same time, um, you know, I would be questioned if I didn't bring this stuff up on a show that bears my name. Bottom line. And I don't want people to think that by at least not acknowledging it, that, oh, well, did you not think it was a, not a big enough deal to talk about the fact that this PEI incident happened and so on and so forth? So that is why we bring it up. We're not going to linger on it. We are going to move on to some of our other talking points here. There are two to three kind of headlines here that, that didn't really fit into the day-by-day -day because these teams did not play over the past couple of days since our last podcast. The first is, uh, I mean, hey, congratulations to Jack Quinn of the Buffalo Sabres, who is supposed to be making his NHL debut tonight. He has been absurd at the AHL level with the Rochester Americans. He has 26 points in 20 games. He is 20 years old. That does not happen often. Mm -hmm. Not even close. You are looking at a league in the NHL that often... I mean, here, let, let's go into the stats. Let's go for a couple of years ago, I think, would be the best way to handle this. Let's go to one of their last full seasons, which would have been, of course, 2018-19. And talking about the guys who are over point per game. And from the looks of it, there were four, maybe five, for dudes that actually played a significant amount of the season. And the vast majority of those guys were veterans. Like, I'm talking about, and let's go ahead and, uh, let's go ahead and name some. Oh, look at that. Carter Verhage. <laughs> you know, Carter Verhage. He's not doing nothing for the Florida Panthers. Nothing. Um, and then, yeah, occasionally you get, you know, guys like TJ Tynan, who's a bit of a veteran. 
Uh, Daniel Carr, veteran as well. Fun fact, he and Tynan are on the same team. And then uh, Jeremy Bracco for the Marlies. We won't talk about him too much. Yeah, uh, but point being... <laughs> Let's not talk about Jeremy Bracco. It's incredibly rare for somebody to have over a point-per-game mark, let alone the fact that Jack Quinn's doing it in his first full, or supposed to be full, AHL season at 20 years old. He was the eighth overall pick for the Sabres in 2020. And that 2020 class... Whew. Uh, a reminder of the top 10 is I have a light here that's fidgeting. We'll fix that real quick. Uh, that that 2020 draft, uh, obviously Lafreniere, Byfield, Stutzla, Lucas Raymond, Sanderson we haven't seen at the NHL level yet, Jamie Drysdale, Alex Holtz, Jack Quinn, Marco Rossi, Cole Perfetti, uh, Lundell and Seth Jarvis on the outside of that, Dawson Mercer, Yegor Chinnikov. Like that first round for the 2020 draft already has the chance to be remembered as... Uh, one of the better ones, at the very least. And Jack Quinn looks to be adding to that. And, you know, for the Sabres, too, like, I view this as a positive, because obviously, you know, we, we remember the start of the season. It's like, oh, my God, the Sabres are like 3-0, 4-0. And we talked about it on the show, and every Sabres fan's like, give them give time. Getting someone like Jack Quinn onto the team now when this team is is likely approaching, you know, out-of-playoff spot status or contention if they're not already there, um, yeah. It's it's a nice little positive for them to look forward to, before they beat the Leafs in the Heritage Classic because somehow that will happen. Yeah, uh, I can I can see that happening completely. Um, <laughs> it's just I've I've always been conflicted on bringing up like like younger prospects um, uh, if during a like, team when it's like trying to fight for a lottery spot because you're basically kind of possibly bringing the development in a way. But hmm. I think with Jack Quinn right now, with the with the pace that he's at right now, like in his career, he's at a point per game right now. He's over a point per game in, in the AHL, and they're finally having a proper like season. You could you could say it that way. I think he'll be able to make a big jump if he doesn't get the play tonight. Um, I think he is going to get the call tonight to play. And yeah, congrats to him. Uh, get that lap around the ice on your own. No helmet, no Bucky. Let's go. The other talking point, it's not the only time we'll mention the Edmonton Oilers today, but Ken Holland had a press conference earlier today. For those watching the video portion of this podcast, you just got a lovely facepalm from Endo. Of course, this podcast can be listened to, uh, you know, Spotify, Apple, Google, all the fun places. You can also be watching video form. Ken Holland on... Trading his first round pick this year and potential top prospects at the deadline. Quote, I wouldn't do that. I think the answer is in our locker room. So you don't have to add anything. Nope. There, there is not a weakness for the Oilers that you would want to address. That is a cup-winning team right now in its current form. They just have to figure it out. A friendly reminder right now, they are out of the playoffs as of this podcast. Now, there are games at hand and such, but right now, uh, the two wildcard spots are occupied by Minnesota and Calgary in the West. Then you have San Jose and then Edmonton. Edmonton has two games at, hands on, uh, two games at hand on the Sharks and are only a point back. But still, they are barely above San Jose and technically have a worse point-per-game percentage than Winnipeg, who are just behind them right now. But it's fine. The locker room, it's good. Also, 
Holland says the Oilers have had seven coaches in the last decade, and you just can't keep replacing coaches. One asked about Dave Tippett's job security. You can replace the GM. And you should. Yep. Uh-huh. And you should. Now, there were, sorry to cut you off, but there were some Oilers fans who were like, well, um, <laughs> like the Josh Archibald signing was good. I don't wish Josh Archibald harm. But this is a guy who is currently out due to myocarditis, COVID-related, Yeah. after uh, sharing some anti-vax uh, concerns. We'll, we'll put it that way. Josh Archibald uh, also, uh, let's see, has a career high of 22 points in 68 games, and that was with Arizona. What a signing. He hits everything, though. So what a signing. <laughs> Well, they he they drafted Dylan Holloway. Dylan Holloway hasn't done anything yet. He is 20 years old. No. You do not get credit for an unproven 20-year-old when you have Connor McDavid and Leon Dreisaitl on your team that you inherited and you are not currently in a playoff spot in January. Oilers fans, I'm sorry. At least to the irrational ones that can't. Just bring yourselves to the, the the realization of like, oh my god, you're still in the shit. Because you are. And look, yeah, who knows? Maybe they end up winning the Stanley Cup this year. Doesn't make the points invalid that this is a team that is not well constructed and will only go as far as Connor and Leon carry them. End of. You can't tell me that Zach Hyman might not have signed in Edmonton. Like, oh, well, he only signed in Edmonton because of Ken Holland. Unless I hear that come out of Zach Hyman's mouth, I do not believe that. But, hey, you have Kyle Turris and Warren Fogle, and everything's going to be okay. Yeah. Um, here, here's what I was thinking. I, when I spread this this morning, um, I was like, what? You have two basically generational talents in Connor McDavid and Leon Dreisaitl. You have chance to add to that repertoire by using a first round pick to help boost your talent and move some prospects around. What is the difference between trading a first round pick and going for a cup run and winning the Stanley Cup? I'm pretty sure winning that silver hardware is irreplaceable to any any NHL organization if they have the chance. You don't Hold on to your first round pick if you think you can make a deep run in the playoffs. Exactly. That's the issue. You don't hold on to it. You, unless you're thinking you're going to be in that lottery, it's it's insane. So this is this is where I see it. You are basically trading a lottery pick, awesome. For if you if you're confident in your team. You're trading that up because the better your team performs, the worse that pick becomes. So if mm-hmm. your team does well and gets past, like just get into, just if they just make the playoffs, that's like a 15 to like 18th round pick, the overall pick. If they do well, that's like 20, and then and if they do really well, that's like 31 or 32. You you, you never know. And mm. not willing to make that jump and make the move from giving that pick away for whatever prospect for the chance to win the hardware that your franchise has been looking for, that your owner's looking for, your fans have been looking for, it, it shows that you just, you're not there to win. You're there to put seats in and say, oh, we have McDavid. 
we have Leon. We have all these other pieces, and we're just going to show them up and make them, like, and spin them on a pirouette. The one thing I will give the Toronto Maple Leafs credit for is that they've given up those picks because they want to win. They're desperate yeah. in wanting to win that cup. Because this is the first time in a while that we still have our first round pick. And the trade deadline's coming up. So we might So the that. Leafs the Leafs right now have their first and second yeah. in each of the next three years. Yeah. You know, this year's draft they don't have their third, fourth, fifth, or sixth, but who gives a who gives shit? A fuck? Honestly, <laughs> if you look at our depth pool, we have guys who are willing to fill in spots right now. Like the Mar- the Toronto Marlies have never been as hungry as they've been before. Their team may not be great all the time, but these guys are basically willing to fight to get onto a roster spot, like tooth and nail, mm-hmm. especially with the taxi squad happening right now. And they it it's it's super competitive, and the Leafs are probably going to end up giving away a first round pick. Or a second round pick, either now or yeah. the years after, years after, years after. Because right now, I don't think there's anybody they really, really want to get unless they want to go and trade for another trade or do something to pick up. I keep wanting to tip, uh, plug my boy Ty Nelson, but he's a great, he's a great defenseman, awesome guy. He looks kind of like Brock Lesnar a little bit. It's okay. <laughs> well, so like for example, like I think back to when you talk about oh, a contender giving up a pick and who cares? Like the Bruins gave up their first rounder in 2013 to get Yager. They lost in the cup final to Chicago. Am I sad that the Bruins didn't get, like, Dallas took Jason Dickinson with that pick. Oh, no. We lost in the cup final when we could have had Jason Dickinson. Like, Yager didn't do shit for the Bruins early in that cup run, but it's the intent. It's the message that you send to your fan base. And I'm sorry to Oilers fans, but my God, like, they have, they're only missing their third round pick this year out of their first, second, and third over the next three years. They're only missing that one third rounder. They have the assets. You have some prospects in the system. You do. You might not want to give up Xavier, uh, Xavier Borgo or whoever the hell. I mean, you could sit here and name some prospects if you want, but would you rather have. I mean, again, the argument could be like, oh, well, if you trade those prospects, you could have had two or three cups instead of just the one. Get the one. <laughs> you, you can't put the fucking cart before the horse. Get the one and then think about a couple of them. What Get are you one. talking about? Two or three. Yeah, you don't you don't build you don't build a house on no foundation. It's just going to sink. You have to build it up. And I think that's one issue, too, is they've had terrible luck with building it up. And now they've got two guys who are basically the focal point of that team and they're being surrounded by I hate to say it but garbage like they're they're NHL I mean talent, right so- but like they're not they're not they're not terrible but they're not helping out whatsoever like those two yeah. cannot carry a team this is not the NBA where you can grab two guys and have them carry through uh and go through we've seen that with the Toronto Raptors and Kawhi Leonard you yeah. you need to have a good support system. You need to have like a top three or top four, top four, top five. Kind of like I hate saying yeah. what the Leafs are doing. Look at what look what Boston's doing. They have that top core. Look at what look what what Vegas is doing. They have a top core. They have all these teams have a good good center guys that they have to rally around and they build around them. It just seems like Edmonton just kind of stuck, going okay. We'll trade some guys over and go over here. We'll pick up age. Aged players because we like veteranism 
and then realize that they're the second coming of Dion the Pylon, and you can't do anything with them. <laughs> the Oilers team right now, and we've talked about this before, you have, obviously, Dreisaitl, McDavid, Zach Hyman. Um, honestly, like, Pooley RV works. Nugent Hopkins is solid. The problem is that supporting cast. I'm sorry, but you're sure you don't want to increase your chances by maybe adding to a bottom six that typically consists of Devin Shore, Ryan McLeod, Colton Sevier, Kyle Turris, uh, Warren Fogle, Tyler Benson, Brendan Perlini, Derek Ryan. Like, you're sure you don't want to add to that. That's good. Ken Holland thinks it's good, but for Oilers fans, you, you really that that's good. That's that's what's going to get you over the hump, huh? Just one thing, I just one I don't nothing, see it. Nothing threw up. I think they're having a change of heart um, as of late. I think we're going to get to that a little bit later because I have a feeling there's some rumors about a mm-hmm. certain free agent, um, newly free yeah. agent, that we're going to yes. talk about later, uh, who apparently might be a, a piece in the puzzle. Yeah, so, I mean, again, we can sit here and break down the Oilers' defense, their goaltending. We'll see if Ken Holland's right, but, uh, and he might be. Oftentimes, people can be right, even if it goes against all logic, but, again, it goes against all logic. With that, we will talk about, uh, let's talk about last Friday as well. We'll do our day-by-day, as we normally do. Of course, there were still a lot of postponed games, so Friday only saw two games, not too many big talking points out of the two games that we saw. The Hurricanes beat the Flames 6-3. to uh, Svechnikov with his 11th and 12th of the season because he's still great. And for the Flames, uh, Matthew Kajark and Johnny Goodrow both hit their 15th of the year. Carolina is still looking great at 24-7-1. Calgary down to 17-10-6. Still not bad, but maybe not quite looking like the wagon they were at earlier portions of the season. That's not to say they're not a playoff caliber team, but kind of slipping a little bit. And then you had the St. Louis Blues beat the Washington Capitals 5-1, to and uh, I don't think we're talking about a single Caps win today, uh, but the Blues beat them 5-1. Bushnevich, his 12th and 13th. Barbashev, his 13th as well. So for as much as we were concerned about the Blues, like you look at whether or not they have depth scoring, and they, they do. So I think, you know, the Blues, they're at 20-10-5 now. Had a hot start, kind of dipped, and now they're looking, they're looking legit. You know, I think Sim was right to question whether or not the Blues were actually going to be legit when a lot of Blues fans had very high hopes after the first month, month and a half of the season. But Blues are looking pretty good. I'd be very, very surprised if they're not a playoff team this season. And honestly, once you get that type of team into a playoff scenario, they can go all the way, in my opinion. I mean, I know Jordan Bennington, you know, it's he's an interesting cat, uh, to put it that way. But uh, I'd, I'd call the Blues a little bit scary, personally. I don't know how Endo feels, <laughs> if he has any opinion at all towards St. Louis. I feel like I'm always looked at to give opinions on St. Louis because 2019 will never go away. Oh, the, the ghost. Uh, the ghost of 2019. I think they're looking good. I know um friend of the show, Altex, is probably screaming that we're talking about um, Barbashev getting a, getting a 13th right there because that's his favorite player. Uh Hmm. They're, they're, they're strong. They're looking good. Uh, I think, I don't know, like a few years ago, we didn't even count them as like anything other than like a lottery pick contender. And now they're kind of like a staple in the NHL now. Like 
maybe not like the mm. best team out there, but like a good like middle ground contender for sure. On Saturday, the Dallas Stars snapped the Pittsburgh Penguins' winning streak. They beat them three to two. Uh, again, the Stars now at 17-12-2, and two, uh, more of a better outlook for them because they had such a slow start. Last year was so disappointing for them where they were completely crippled by COVID after making the cup final in the bubble. Um, we will be talking about a Stars loss on, uh, I think it was Sunday, it might have been Monday, but end of the day, Dallas heating up. Pavelski and Hintz both hit the 13th goal mark uh, on the season in this particular game, and... You know, if I am a fan of a Western Conference team, particularly in that Central Division, and I see Dallas heating up a little bit, it's it's a little bit concerning because that is, you know, that division outside of Chicago, which would really have to pull it together in Arizona, you have six teams in that division that could be a playoff team. Six teams from one division cannot happen. So there is going to be a fan base that is very, very disappointed by the end of the season. The crazy thing about the Central is in terms of point percentage, the top three teams are Colorado, Nashville, and Minnesota. So for St. Louis, Dallas, or Winnipeg, it's almost like you're set up like, oh God, we're we're the ones in trouble because Nashville has been incredible thanks to UC Soros, yep. who we talked about a lot in the last show. So I had... Uh, I'd, I'd, I'd be a little bit concerned if I was a fan from the Central Division. And I'd be a little bit concerned if I was Endo, because I think he knows what game's up next. <laughs> he got a little bit quiet. The Colorado Avalanche defeated the Toronto Maple Leafs 5-4 to four in overtime on Saturday. Endo, anything interesting happen in this game? Um, Sportsnet finally got the call right. Uh, in terms of a, a back save, like a backstroke save by... A great save for Jack Campbell on Devon Taves. No kidding. Yes. It was also, awesome. Also, um, the greatest picture of the year is of Jack Campbell making the save with his glove mm-hmm. and holding it there. And then you just see Nazem Kadri in the back, like gobsmacked. <laughs> of, of all the words to say, gobsmacked with his hands on his head being like, what? You got that? Are you are you kidding? That was unreal. I love player reactions to great plays. You know, when you see something happen that surprises a, a player like Nazem Kadri, who's seen like everything that there is to see. I mean, you're talking about a guy. Is he 30 yet? He's close. If he's not, like think about how much hockey he's played, and uh, he's 31. There you go. Um, you know, you think about how much hockey somebody has played at Nazem Kadri's age as a professional NHLer, and for him to have that moment of just being stunned, it's crazy. Yeah, it's it shows you that game rep, uh, game recognizes game, and these NHL talent players will basically rep, like, respect people who are in the game as well. It's You didn't get here because of a fluke. You got here because you have talent. It reminds me of last year, not last year, it was a few years ago, where um, Alex Ovechkin was playing uh, against the Habs and it was Carey Price in that. And then somehow Carey Price got a piece of it on, on like a one-timer. And after that, they, after the, the whistle had gone, like even Alex Ovechkin goes up and like taps him on the gloves and be like, that was an amazing save. Like what is going on? Like that stuff like there is like why I love this sport. We don't see a lot of that happen a lot in games, 
but to know that there is still like the competitive but the respect inside the game itself it's it's like damn it's like damn it's like damn uh <laughs> might be an episode title there you go so the Leafs did blow a 4-1 lead yeah in this game um it's bad enough that Sportsnet can now have this big list of all the times that they've blown a 4-1 lead. I mean, look, I, I don't really feel like sitting here and trying to dunk on Leafs fans for a 4-1 lead. I mean, look, the Avs are a goddamn wagon. It was their 11th straight win at home. Yes, it happened to the Leafs again, but... Yeah. It's, it's, I equate this to Hutt. And you and I had just had this conversation about an hour ago. Oh, my God. I equate this to Hutt. So, for those who have been watching on Twitch, and YouTube-wise, it's a little bit behind. I started a set plan again, which was a Hutt series that we did in NHL 19. Uh, because back in the day, I used to do Hutt series on the YouTube side of things. Because I, I didn't at least hate it so much. I, I didn't like it. But oftentimes, like, look, when I play a game I'm not having fun with I will I will vent so I don't build up that anger and then do something stupid like throw a controller at the end of the day brought back this hut series because I had it as one of our charity stream milestones because people have been asking me bring it back bring it back bring it back so we bring it back I did four two hour recording sessions which equates to like three games a day and at first, people are like, oh, this is great. He's venting and raging, and it's hilarious. We know the game sucks. And then as the days go on, it's like, oh, yeah, wow, this game does suck. <laughs> oh, this game really sucks. Yeah. Boy, it's not so fun to watch Tug not having fun, because I'm not having fun either, because he's right, and this game sucks. And that's where we are now. Probably already done with it. It will still be uploaded to the YouTube side of things so people can enjoy the misery if they want to, but eventually with the Leafs 4-1 lead, it's like, oh, yes, 2013, hilarious. Oh, they blew another 4-1 lead to Pittsburgh. Oh, they blew another... Okay, that's just... Mm. Like the, 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 joke's, the joke's been beaten to death. The joke's been beaten to death. But, Endo, your thoughts on this particular game? I mean, I'm, I can kind of tell where you're going to lean with this. Uh, <laughs> just ugh. Good. Ugh. Period. Also, just quickly uh, tangent onto um, a set plan a little bit here. I mm -hmm. I hated watching that. No offense to you, Tuki. It was a lot of fun to watch you like be upset for a little bit. Then afterwards, I mm -hmm. just felt bad because like after day one, you're like, my girlfriend was like, "Are you okay?" <laughs> and I'm like, <laughs> I feel so bad. And then, like, my yeah. girlfriend, is like, like, he looks genuinely upset. Like, I haven't seen him like that. Like, I haven't seen him like that either. I don't want to see him legitimately, like, enraged, like, in, like a battle axe just going through. Like, if this, if you did a set plan while you're doing your home renovation, I guarantee you, you would have gotten it done a lot faster. <laughs> just punching through walls. <laughs> Do it live on stream. Just <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah, but so, yeah, back on yeah. to the game itself. Um, I I don't know what what else. You can't blame Colorado for coming back because they're that big of a team. I do want to say, um, good good buddy of mine uh, from TSN, uh, Luca, 
uh, he said like, oh, this could be a Stanley Cup, uh, a, a preview of a Stanley Cup final matchup. And I said to him like, can we just get past the first round, please? Like, let us get out of one round first. Same thing for Oilers fans, right? Exactly. Let's not put the uh, the cart before the horse. <laughs> oh, my God. I, 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 I do like those hypotheticals, but at the same time, a hypothetical for a Leafs fan is willing to get out of that 4-1 deficit or having that 4-1 lead and actually playing through or just finishing a series on the upper hand instead of being on the down low again. Kale McCarr in this game scored his 15th of the year. As of Saturday, there are teams that do not have 14 goals combined from their defensemen. Let me repeat that. Kale McCarr individually has 15 goals. There are 14 teams that do not have 14 goals combined or 15 goals combined, I should say, from all of their defensemen. You add up the goal totals for all Oilers defensemen, it is less than Kale McCarr individually. Habs, Hawks, Flyers, Leafs, Jets, Flames, Stars, Wings, Kings, Penguins, Islanders, Sens, and Canucks. Kale McCarr individually is outscoring all of the defensemen combined on those other teams. I It has reached the point of like Kyle Connor territory on this, on this podcast. It's just uh, checking in. How ridiculous is Kale McCarr? Yes. There you go. That's the segment. Um, for the Leafs in that game, I will mention Austin Matthews had two goals. He's up to 22 on the year because Austin Matthews is great. Yes. Yeah, so there's one thing I want to touch on about Kale McCarr. Uh, mm-hmm. I'm sure this is on the docket yet, but uh, I saw something here that was posted. Uh, Flyers legend and executive Bobby Clark. Yes. The, yeah, we have Flyers. that. We have that coming up. Okay. Yeah, we have that coming up. We'll wow. talk about that in a little bit oh, too, because uh, oh. yeah, it kind of it kind of goes along with uh, what the hell's going on with Philadelphia. God. Do you want to take a quick side note, uh, at least to mention this? The uh, Team Canada women's uh, roster for the Olympics has been revealed. We will do full breakdowns for both the men and women's rosters once we have those confirmed heading into the Olympics. Holy shit, is the U.S. going to have a tough time beating Canada? Oh, I gotta see My god. Like, I mean, obviously like all the big names are there. Marie-Philippe Poulin, Natalie Spooner, Sarah Nurse, Melody Daoust. It's it's exactly, like, if you fall women's hockey and you look at this roster, fuck. Oh, get fucked. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> that's that's gonna be like as much as people are like oh the Olympics I'm not gonna watch now the NHL is not going watch the Olympics especially watch the goddamn women's tournament especially if we get a US Canada matchup semifinal or final it is always some of the best hockey played every four years during the Olympics so quickly, fingers crossed that happens but quickly I will note there is not a single member of the Canadian roster team that is from the PHF. Or the pro- really? Yeah, there's not a single one. It is there are they are all PWHPA, so Professional Women's Hockey Players Association, mm-hmm. uh, which is basically kind of a formulation of what used to be the CWHL, loosely, very loosely when I say that, which was a Canadian Women's Hockey League. Um, uh, and they have one, two, three, three other players who are currently playing uh, NCAA hockey from Ohio. Fair enough. I mean, University of Minnesota Duluth. Not that. It is is that kind of continued. But honestly, that kind of puts a damper on it where it's like, okay, maybe 
maybe we might get closer to just having all the best women players playing oh, at yeah. the same time in the 100%. same place. I was place. talking to someone um, a few months ago who played hockey, who was also uh, a goalie. Uh, she's studying at like university around here, uh, somewhere in GTA. And she was, I think one game I had took transit to take back, and she was talking about hockey and everything, talking about women's hockey and the development, how it is. And the re- reason why we say there's like an old boys club over here she said it was a little bit of a, a old girls club over there as well, because there are a lot of women who are still in there who are, uh, we'll, we'll talk about this more in like another episode, but there's a lot of girls in there who are basically kind of like holding onto the latches per se of wanting to be like part of the trailers and community that kind of starts up and helps develop women's hockey to the future. And hmm. some, some small gatekeeping there that's happening with, in, in that kind of space as well. It's, it's, it's weird. Because it's like they want to be a part of the people that help them get paid and they then want their comeuppance as well. And that's I guess that's another aspect of it whatsoever. Uh, and at the same time, you have so many teams, so little teams, honestly, and so little pay to go around in that little bubble of PHF and PWHBA um, that I guess people are just trying to latch on to whatever money they can get from hockey or women's hockey. Yeah, it's just politics everywhere. Yeah, it's the best way I think to sum it up. On Saturday, the Boston Bruins. Let me let me repeat that. On Saturday, the Boston Bruins actually beat the Tampa Bay Lightning. I can count on one hand. I'm quite sure how many times that's happened in the last decade since the 2011 Conference Final. The Boston Bruins <laughs> beat the Tampa Bay Lightning. Can't believe it. They won 5-2. to two. Uh, David Posternock heating up. Two goals. He's up to 11. Brad Marchand, two goals. He's up to 14. Uh, for the Lightning, Palat and Point. Uh, 14th for Palat, 13th for Point, because those guys are freaks. I don't have too much in-depth about this particular game, because the headline is enough. The Bruins actually beat the Lightning. And it's, it's, it's one of those things, like, legit, in the past 10 years... Like, every Bruins fan will tell you this. Like, if you saw Boston uh, against Tampa or Boston against Washington, oh, God, we're going to lose. Because it felt that way for a really long time, especially after that 2011 uh, playoff matchup the Bruins had against the Caps where Braden Holpe is just like, hey, I'm elite now, and just showed up out of nowhere. Hi, I'm Braden. I'm an elite goaltender who's going to own your club until I leave. It's exactly what happened. So couldn't believe that. And we'll talk about the Bruins and Caps in a minute, too. Yay. It's fucking Christmas. Christmas for me, what's happened this weekend. I wish, I wish, I wish that Sin was here because, oh boy. Here's one of our other big talking points. Oh boy. Here it is. On Saturday, the San Jose Sharks defeated the Philadelphia Flyers 3-2 in overtime. Tomas Hurdle, who Sin is convinced is leaving, scored a hat trick. His 20th goal of the year. Because, my God. Uh, for the Flyers, uh, two-goal game for JFR. Uh, JFR? JVR? JFR? JFK, JRF, JR, James, JBR, James fans dreams thing. Yeah, he's up to nine goals in the year. Good for JVR. Obviously, uh, when talking about the Sharks and the Flyers, there are some other things that come to mind. The San Jose Sharks have terminated the contract of Evander Kane. This is a decision that is going to result uh, in uh, s- some court time between the parties involved. The NHLPA uh, having to uh, 
uh, essentially defend Evander Kane because of the way things have been written out. Uh, Kevin Kurz on Twitter wrote, The Sharks' Evander Kane contract termination stems primarily from him traveling to Vancouver while COVID positive, according to multiple sources. So it really was as if the Sharks were just waiting for him to screw up again, and lo and behold, it's believable that he screwed up again. However, according to TSN's Gord Miller, he is expected to sign with the new team, quote, by the end of this week. Uh, you have also had Tim Peel... Yes, the referee Tim Peel on Twitter saying that he's heard he might be signed within the next 24 hours. It is worth noting that um, Rick, Rick Dollywall, who covers the Canucks, uh, had to mention that no interest has been shown by the Canucks today. And then the most backhanded thing I've ever heard. Good news, Canucks fans. Vander Kane's not coming here. There's no interest. Sources say Kane's looking for a cup contender. <laughs> Bruce, there he goes. Brutal. Uh, no shortage of teams have called from his agents. And then Darren Dreger of TSN added that he says he knows the Oilers have made contact with Evander Kane's agent. Ken Holland himself not denying that at that infamous press conference by adding, quote, I believe in second chances. Yeah, I was going to say, because when we said earlier that, um, Kevin Holland said, uh, you know, uh, about the trade of the picks and everything. I want to do our answer. Answers in the locker room. And then you just see, like, Evander Kane come through with, like, Stone Cold's music. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. I so. Like, yeah. yeah I, I don't know. Is is fucking. It, uh, I, I don't know what the proper words to say. Is Evander Kane the NHL's Antonio Brown? Yes. And why yeah. is that like the like? I'm not sure if that's a good thing or a bad thing. Like, like the reason, now, I, say, we, the reason why I say it's a good thing is because there's there's press and coverage on the NHL, and I guess the NHL is like, oh, bad press equals good press, considering how they've been for the past like fucking four months, six months, eight months, year, two years, <laughs> however long it's been. It's mm -hmm. like I I don't know what's going on. Like I'm so like. How many chances does the guy need? He had one chance, gone. Two chances, gone. Three chances, went over another team, gone. Four chances, like six, seven, eight. God, are you punching out? Your, are you just punching out the your, your chance card? Do you get another chance for free? I, the tenth one's for free? Because this is getting ridiculous. I mean, I said, like, oh, Ken Holland, he also believes in third, fourth, fifth, and sixth chances. What a guy. Because he's had what a nice guy, Ken career. Holland. It's ridiculous. I, he's just like we, me, my son. My we boy. all know. <laughs> we all know if a professional athlete is talented enough, they are likely to get another chance. Period. Yeah. Period. Um, now, obviously, you know, there are certain examples. You know, you look at the NFL. A lot of people are still upset that Michael Vick was given opportunities with, like, the Philadelphia Eagles later on. Obviously, that conversation's how you feel and whether or not you think he served the sentence, which legally he did, but so on. Evander Kane is a talented enough hockey player that he will continue to get chances. He will. It, period. Um, you know, I'm not against the idea of Evander Kane getting chances. I just think it's a shame that we continue to see a really talented hockey player who continually gets in his own way. 
And, you know, again, it kind of lends into that Antonio Brown debate. Like, where is the line between you are fully aware of what you are doing and you're just an ass versus what the hell is going on with you mentally? You know? And, you know, the mental side of things, I mean, that can also include the fact that, I mean, hey, you know, I, I don't know if it's outright fair to use the word, but... You know, if, if the if the term gambling addiction is brought up when discussing Evander Kane, does anyone view that as an unfair term to bring up? And, hey, addiction is a mental thing. It's just, in this instance it is. Obviously it can also be a physical thing, but... No one's surprised the Sharks got rid of him. No one. No one's surprised that Kane and the NHLPA are going to try to get some sort of compensation for that. No one is surprised he's going to get a spot on another team. No one is surprised that Edmonton is interested. It's just... yeah, I heard You're really Leafs goddamn good. I heard the Leafs are just... I'm like, I don't want him on my team. Are you kidding me? We don't even have, we don't even have room. I mean, be- you've mentioned on this show the concept of we can fix him. Yeah. Like, like I, that's, that's what this is. It's like I'm watching Twilight or whatever the fuck. It's like, it's <laughs> ridiculous. This I, this ain't no romantic comedy, Ken. I don't I don't give a damn if you think he's knight in shining armor. He he, he doesn't deserve. Isn't I just he's talented, sure, but just what is mm-hmm. he gonna do with the environment around your locker room? I guess right now he's thinking that we need a shakeup, and I think the shakeup is bringing in Evander, but that shakeup could be negative. It could be positive. Who knows? I just don't think it's he should be brought. He should be brought in right now. The problem is, too, like, you can look at a player like him and just be like, oh, well, you got to get the right supporting cast around him. But the problem is, you know, he had a strong supporting cast around him with the likes of Blake Wheeler and Dustin Bufflin in Winnipeg. They clashed. Um, in Buffalo, okay, maybe not the strongest locker room leadership there to kind of keep things in check, but then he goes to the Sharks, and Joe Thornton's there, and Brent Burns is there, and Eric Carlson's there, and surprise, surprise, the call it an ego, call it an attitude, whatever, it wasn't kept in check. Like, you know, oh, well, if he goes if he goes to the Leafs, oh, John Tavares and, and uh, God, the, the, the veteran defenseman like Brody and Muzzin, they'll keep him in check. No. Like, yeah, there's no, there's no denying that Evander Kane, from a pure hockey standpoint, you add him to that Leafs top six on a league men contract, good God. Good God. Sorry, <laughs> Especially yeah, yeah. when Marner's healthy. Oh, yeah. And you're talking about Marner, Matthews, Tavares, Nylander, Evander Kane, and whoever the hell else in the top six. Pushing guys like Kerfoot, Mikheyev, Bunting, Kasha, Simmons to the third line, if not the fourth. But it's not that simple. It's just not. I will say my my concerns about him being traded for by the Bruins has uh, has been alleviated. If he was just not an idiot, it's that's it. Just if you were just Mm -hmm. there, are probably some other stuff bothering him or whatever. But if you, I I said this about Nazem Kadri and his situation. If you keep a player in check, if you keep him fine and keep him not for doing stupid shit, then you can then you can you can prosper. He can do well. I want to say, look at Joshua Hosang. He had a not, very different situation. Very different situation. But he had a talking with, had a conversation with someone. I believe this is over when he went over to Europe. And was basically told, like, listen, calm down. Get 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 some support. Have a support system around you. Get people around you. And now look what he's doing in the AHL. 
he's doing um, he's doing very well. Kind of like having having almost a resurgence in there. I don't know what a Vander Kane needs. I personally am getting to the point where I really don't care, and I'm kind of sick and tired of hearing about him in the news because he is a talented player. But you're only as talented as you as your actions let you be, both on and offside the ice. For the Flyers, the losing team in that particular game on Saturday, uh, out of the news cycle for them, Bobby Clark, maybe the biggest legend in team history, uh, had mentioned on the Cam and Strict podcast um, that while, he, of course, Hextall was there before going to Pittsburgh, um, Hextall had overruled scouts when drafting Nolan Patrick, second overall when they did. Scouts wanted Kale McCarr. He also accused uh, Ron Hextall of dropping the ball in terms of a potential Ryan O'Reilly trade. Um, there was more Hextall stuff. Um, it, it was it was mentioned as well for the 2014 draft, apparently, that Hextall overruled uh, the Flyers in terms of the scouting department wanting to draft David Posternock, and instead they took Travis Sanheim, which... I know Travis Sanheim's not David Postnar, but Travis Sanheim's still really good. This type of stuff, these type of stories do not come out if a team is successful. And that is the worst possible sign for the Philadelphia Flyers that the talking point right now surrounding your team is Bobby Clark mentioning on a podcast who the team did not draft a couple of years ago. That shows how bad the situation is right now for the Flyers. They are currently... Seven points behind the Bruins for the second wild card spot, and the Bruins have three games in hand. Uh, they are barely on point percentage above the uh, above the New Jersey Devils, and are currently behind both Columbus and Detroit. This is brutal for Philly, and for a team that again I thought could have been a Cup contender last year, and I thought would certainly at least be a playoff team this year. I don't know what the answer is at this point. It almost seems like a, a blow-up or at least a mini-rebuild might be necessary. Because, again, if you have a team that's a contender, this doesn't make the news cycle of someone being like, oh, well, we were going to draft Kale McCarr, but the, the old GM said no. I I, I still just kind of can't believe that the, the Flyers are in as rough, as, you know, as rough of a spot as they are. But... Here we are, and it just seems like an endless cycle with the Flyers in terms of when the hell are they going to get it together. Yeah, I I looked at that when Bobby Clark said like the they wanted to draft Kale. I think that is a massive, massive cap. I mean, we say that's cap. That's that's a. I don't th- I don't believe that for a second. There is no way that people looked at Kale McCarr and like an average defenseman from the AJHL was like we're going to draft the second overall. I think Caleb McCarl was probably the steal of that draft, especially in that top, like those top rounds. And I just, I just don't believe it. It's unfortunate that Nolan Patrick has had so many injury issues in his career, having the migraine disorder and finally getting his foot back up. Uh, But I just don't think that he he was going to be overshadowed by Kale. Kale is obviously one of the best players from that draft, arguably right now, so far. Look at what he's doing right now with point production and how he's playing and how he's producing. It's just that it's unfortunate that like, maybe this is kind of like second, like, like buyer's remorse because you then traded him. 
did they even trade him to Vegas, or did they just give him away? So Nolan Patrick uh, technically bounced around a little bit. He was traded uh, this past July to Nashville, not Vegas, but to Nashville alongside Phil Myers right, for rights. Ryan Ellis. His rights were traded over there, and then was flipped one for one to Vegas for Cody Glass. He's only played nine games this year as well, which is rough. Yeah, I mean, he's had a very extensive issue with migraines and other injuries yeah. whatsoever. So I feel I feel bad for him because all that pressure as well to be the number two pick in the NHL draft. Look what the other guy's doing. Look what Heischer's doing. Heischer's doing very decent over there with, with, the, with the Devils. And then you go see, look at the guy, Kill McCarr, his big fourth. That would do a lot of your mental health. And I'm glad that he's able to go over that environment with Vegas and talk to Robin Leonard, who's basically like this, like the mental health guru, per se, of like the NHL, who's also willing to speak up and talk about certain issues. We all know the tweet that happened when he found out more about like certain medications and all that. And they believe he did bring up Nolan Patrick at one point with stuff that apparently he's been described. This is like loose terms in my head. Uh, but the talking about that stuff, and I think it's good for him. But I don't believe Bobby Clark for a second saying that you were willing to grab Kale McCarr beforehand when people were appalled that you that Kale went forth. Yeah, no, I think that's a fair point too, right? Like everyone was saying at the time, like, oh, Kale McCarr is a bit of a reach, risky pick. So fair enough. But we shall move on. Um, also on Saturday, the Panthers beat the Hurricanes four to three. I mean. The only really notable thing, Carter Verhage had a two-goal game. Second time we mentioned him today. Like, the Panthers are sick. The Canes are sick. Just two sick teams. Give me a playoff series between those two. The Columbus Blue Jackets beat the New Jersey Devils. Um, Bjorkstrand, two-goal game, 10th and 11th. Boone Jenner's 13th of the year. I love Boone Jenner. And uh, Yegor Chinnikov finally scored his second of the year. I'm surprised he doesn't have more. But um, the quick talking point surrounding uh, the Blue Jackets is that uh, Gregory Hoffman, who was in a bottom six role for them this year, um, has officially been suspended without pay uh, and will likely have his contract terminated. He has gone essentially back home to Switzerland. He's going to play with E.V. Zug. Um, he got permission to leave the team to go home to be with the, uh, his wife for the birth of his child, uh, and he has decided to stay and just not come back. So you read the headline, Gregory Hoffman suspended. You're like, oh, my God, what happened? He's a dad. And he wants to be close to family. It's a good story. Let me it's be a good dad. one. I got so, my I got my my money from the NHL. I got my million, basically. Yeah, I mean, look, like he can continue to try to carve out a bottom six role at the NHL and be at the NHL level and be away from his family, or he can go home, be one of the best players in the NLA, and be closer to his family. It's a no brainer. I'd do so, that, honestly. Yeah. You know, you don't have to be. An NHL player to be successful in hockey and make a good living. <laughs> so that's exactly what I told um, uh, exactly one of the conversations I had with someone who uh, a really good friend of ours, uh, of my family, and he's right now playing in the in the U.S. Uh, he's playing high school, like prep high school hockey, and he wants to go in the NHL. And we're like, that's like obviously that's the goal for everyone to do, but know that you can still be successful and still enjoy hockey and how hockey can be a part of your life, but it doesn't always have to be the NHL. You can go yeah. see the world. You can go 
overseas. You could go to Australia and play there. Fuck. Future podcast guest, Mr. Chris Rumble. I was about to say Chris. He's has played in Germany, has played in Norway, is currently playing in Austria. Like <laughs> you get to do all this traveling, see all these places, and still be a professional hockey player for a living. It's awesome. awesome. Kind of like me with the run um, thing. I get this travel greater Toronto area, which is still kind of great, but I mean it's it's Toronto, but I, I, I get to travel and get paid for for hockey. It's like that mm. on like a, an extremely smaller scale, very much smaller <laughs> scale. Oh right man! Now. And there was a headline too. Uh, Jack Hughes commenting on his rookie year for the Devils, saying that he absolutely hated it. Um, quote, I was in high school, then the following year I was making a million bucks. I got to play McDavid and then Marshawn and then Crosby the next night, and they called me a pretty boy player who couldn't play. (laughs) (laughs) And now we see how good Jack Hughes is, but I love that comment because it does kind of speak to how unfair it is for a lot of these young guys, especially when you're taking like a Lafreniere or Capocac or other guys who are taking in those first few picks. It's like, okay, you're at the NHL level, and you get to deal with Marshawn, Crosby, you know, these guys who would make their national team Olympic teams because they're the best in the world. Have fun, you 18, 19-year-old kid. You know, it's often not fair. Yeah. I was solving for X, and now I have to go get the puck off of Connor McDavid while, like, (laughs) 20,000 people are yelling at me in the crowds while I'm getting paid basically a million dollars, and, like, I can be sent down, like, anywhere at any time. It's... I, the the this pressure on players in general, uh, especially rookies or just any athlete, is unreal. And I believe with the current day and age with um, social media, it is not getting any better. Because you can turn on your phone, literally just click one thing, or maybe you type in your name by accident on Google, and then a whole thing about you and how you're playing and how you're doing it pops up all over the place. Reminds me of um, Cole Caulfield and his current development if you like to call that look i mean i'm adding to it too i'm saying something negative about some other person and it it, it ties into their, their their psyche a little bit and uh, i'm glad that some of these guys are able to get over that hump and be productive now and i'm also glad that sports therapists are now more commonplace inside these organizations teaching them how to deal with certain things like that how to basically shrug it off and it's a good thing um for the future of sport and for these people's longevity so they aren't basically glued to the screen 24 7 wondering about like if they if they touch the puck the wrong way they're gonna get yelled at or all that stuff yeah Yeah. also on saturday the preds beat the coyotes four to two the coyotes record down to seven twenty three and three uh the preds though had a very impressive 23 11 and two um Shout out to Rookie of the Year candidate, perhaps Tanner Janot with his 11th of the year. And then surprising goal scores like Yakov Trenin for the Preds has nine goals. And Lawson Kraus for the Yotes also has nine. And I think that's led to people in the, in the Bruins community saying Lawson Kraus for Jake DeBrusque, which, uh, no. oof. <laughs> <laughs> also for the Yotes, um, I don't know what the record is. For most teams played for in a season, Riley Nash might be able to break that, though. He is on his third team of the year already and has played just 26 games this year. He started on Winnipeg, 
got claimed by Tampa and is now a member of the Yotes, I genuinely wonder, you know, the record has to be like four. I can't imagine it's... It is four. And Um, who is it? So the most he's played for apparently is uh, Dave uh, McLuane from 91-92. He played for Buffalo, New York, Islanders, Toronto, and I believe that is Winnipeg. And then Dennis O'Brien are tied. Dennis O'Brien from 1977-78, Boston, Cleveland Barons. Jesus, uh, CLR. Who's that? Uh, CLR. Yeah. Uh, Colorado Rockies. Yeah, Colorado, maybe. Probably. And uh, I think it's Minnesota North Stars. Wow. Huh. Uh, in this season, yeah, it's the, so it's Mark Arco. Wow. Arcabello, actually. Yeah, Arcabello. So it's UC Jokinen, Arcabello, um, McWayne, and O'Brien. UC Jokinen played for uh, Columbus, Edmonton, uh, the Kings in Vancouver. It's 2017-18. And Mark Arcabello played for Arizona, Edmonton, Nashville, and Pittsburgh. 2014-15. That is wild. Yeah. So, I mean, obviously, the the question's different from, like, oh, who played for the most franchises, which is still Mike Sillinger. He played for 12 different teams. But I was wondering who had played. For the most teams in an individual season. That's crazy. Mm. Worth noting, too, uh, two kind of negative things for the Yotes. Uh, <laughs> apparently, their arena deal in Tempe is not quite set in stone, which, uh-oh. <laughs> uh-oh. Uh-oh. <laughs> Tempe sure is rising. Let's go. Oh, God. That was terrible. Just... It was. It was great. I loved it, though. And uh, former team GM John Chaka uh, put out an article on Sportico. Some parts may be kind of relatable. The rest is just him through written form. Let's be honest. The article was masturbatory. I'm so great. All I need is a, a the, the right opportunity. Like, just excuse, excuse. I'm the best. Oh. <laughs> I am so great. I am so great. G-E-R-E-T. G-E-R-E-T. <laughs> Basically. If, if you're someone like me, who personally, while I have been in a fantastic relationship for almost two years now, I still subscribe to the r slash Tinder subreddit. And it's because you see nothing on there but people posting the most ridiculous shit that people have on their profiles or that they'll message to somebody. And this, I can only imagine John Chaka to be that type of person with one of those profiles that is just nothing but like, oh my god, I can tell that you are just the biggest egomaniac on the planet, even though you have no reason to be whatsoever. He is like the guy with washboard abs who you can tell skips leg and chest day. That's John Chaka. It's ridiculous. I'm just reading the if you if you want a good laugh, go read that article again on Sportico. Um, first paragraph. <laughs> it's the perfect article. God. For it, I, I'm gonna throw this out there to some of my buddies on YouTube, to the likes of Gravity or Tactics or even the Hockey Guy. If you want to have a good video with content, if you know what, I might steal this. Never mind. Screw all of you. <laughs> I try. <laughs> A try not to cringe video reading the John Chaka article on Sportico. I love this. Fear is rarely <laughs> logical. I learned this with certainty on the first Thursday in 2016. 
I'm sure of the date because my wife saved the newspapers. Like, what? What the fuck? <laughs> like, the day I was announced as the general manager of the Arizona Coyotes was I will pay you the organization. God, to read this whole thing for a video. I <laughs> please. <will. laughs> oh God! I should have been exalted. Instead, I was terrified. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. First thing in my head was, Ugh. I will survive. <laughs> Spoiler alert, he wouldn't. He'd be back working at Wendy's. Just brutal. Uh, we'll move on as <laughs> we can sit here and laugh about that I damn thing all day long. Oh, take this Take this next section. I need to admit it. I'm crying. I will. Uh, the Ascendo just dies laughing. Uh, the Minnesota Vile beat the Washington Capitals 3-2 in a shootout. Endo's losing his shit. Um, this was highlighted by the Caps scoring on their own goal, uh, with the man advantage. Um, you know, they, they would get to overtime. Zach Fucale made one of the best saves of the year on Ryan Hartman in overtime, which normally, like prior years, would be like, oh, a save on Ryan Hartman. Yeah, Ryan Hartman's been great this year. Uh, but yeah, still the Wild would end up winning. That's the second loss today that we've mentioned, uh, for the Caps. Been a bit of a, been a bit of a skid for them. The Caps had nine overtime losses after this game. Already this season. Can we talk about Zach Vukali though? Or having like the longest like, active. Okay, so Zach Vukali broke a, I believe, an NHL franchise, like a franchise record for the Caps. I believe it was the longest start of a career with a shutout. Because technically speaking, he did play earlier, had a shutout in his first ever NHL game, then was sent, then was basically sent down back to Hershey because I believe their goalie situation is a little bit weird. And then because of the taxi, brought him back up and got him to the back end. Now, let me quote the exact link because I know he kept it going through. Uh, caps. Uh, ooh, Kali, he does have a 924 save percentages in four appearances this season. <laughs> She's been pretty good. Yeah. Okay, so here's the article right here. Russian machine never breaks. Of course it doesn't. Zach Vukali sets NHL record for longest shutout streak to start a career. And it went 138.07. He beat the previous uh, Minnesota Matt Hackett of 102.48. That is still oh, Matt Hackett. That is two games back to back. Christ. Oh, my God. I mean, good for him, honestly. You know, I mean, for someone where you really started to think he's never going to make it, it was, uh, it was it's kind of nice. It's kind of nice. Definitely. Like, he was, I think we talked about him, like, on the podcast, like, before he even got, like, his big shot back in. And I was always like, what happened to Fukali? Like, oh, he was buried between goaltenders over in when he played over with um, the Haps. And then when he went mm -hmm. over to New Jersey. Then when he went over to, I think he went over to um, Tampa Bay. Then when he went back over to the Caps. And now he can finally hmm. be that goalie that they need. And now he's basically working. He worked his ass off. That is 100% yeah. like the grind. A lot of guys... When you're going up from the from the A, even back down to the C, or being benched in like the the and the N, or back down to the C and going uh, not the C but the A and like the ECHL, it, it to does the a lot. To the C, to the A, to yeah. the B, to the like even like <laughs> <laughs> even like uh, Garrett Sparks, who was to go from being like the top goalie next one up for the Leafs to go have concussion issues and not get that properly healed and then basically going all the way from getting paid league minimum in the NHL getting paid basically what is considered minimum wage in hockey mm. terms with the ECHL to go right back up to playing NHL again 
it does a lot to you, not only just like mentally, but just and what you can and can't. It does mentally, but like it just plays a lot on you. And I'm glad that he's able to do. He was able to stick through it, have a good support system around him, and find his way back to find his way not back but to the NHL. And hopefully, he's there for a long time. You mentioned Matt Hackett as well, and uh, saw Matt Hackett break his leg. <laughs> What? It's like April of 2014. I was at this game. It was at TD Garden, the Bruins and Sabres. And uh, yeah, dude, he was out for a long time. Literally, I looked it up. Um, April 15th of 2014, the Sabres announced Hackett would not return from injury until December of 2015. He was out for like a year and a half. From this injury, it was brutal. It's the only time I've ever seen a player get stretchered out, and uh, I hope to never see it again. Because yeah, it was awful. But uh, who great great memories. The only time I saw a player get stretched out, I think it was at Toronto Raptors game. Raptors versus the Warriors. I'm not sure who it was. Was it? I think it was the Warriors. Was it Cole Arenas? And like he got like stretchered out. This is like a while ago to age myself or age other people. It's brutal. It's never a fun scene. We'll let you go ahead and look up what great Raptors player. Or for the other team, I guess. I don't know. Um, while you look that up, we'll I'm move on. Because we still have a decent amount to touch up upon here as we look to wind down the show. Hopefully sometime, sometime soon. <laughs> they played the, he played for the Washington Wizards. I was confused about that. I don't know like when it happened. But I think it was him or some other guy got like stretchered out. Anyways, back on the hockey. Yeah, uh, Chicago beat LA, or not LA, Chicago beat Vegas. There we go, easy for me to say, 2-1. to one. Um, Only real notable thing, Jujar Caro scored his third of the year. Uh, good for him. I mean, God, there were people saying his career might be over when he suffered that hit earlier this season, so it's great to see that he's healthy and still playing. Yeah. Um, there was a story, though, kind of surrounding Chicago. Columbus Blue Jackets defenseman Adam Boakvist said his agent had been told by the Blackhawks that he wouldn't be traded. So the deal this summer to send him to Columbus was a bit of a surprise. He actually found out on Instagram, but that's the biz. Boy, it's almost, like Vegas is, it's almost like Vegas isn't the only team that's ever traded somebody in this fashion like they did with Marc-Andre Fleury. I get it's different when it's a veteran future Hall of Famer like Fleury compared to a prospect, but boy, it's almost like things can change. And loyalty in hockey isn't this, you know, sacred code that only the Vegas Golden Knights have broken. My God. Just bothered me. That's I mean, all. I've heard of, like, guys finding out that they get traded on, like, TSN ticker, the Sportsnet ticker. Like, hearing mm-hmm. that, like, on um, Free Agent Frenzy or um, stuff like that. But I guess the new development is, uh, is, is finding out on Instagram. You pop up, you see a nice... PSN graphic, or you see a nice whatever, and it's like, oh, yeah, hey, look. Oh, that guy looks pretty cool. Oh, that's me? Oh, that's <laughs> me. Oh, that's me. Oof. And then you're, you're getting shipped over to wherever. For Vegas, uh, there was news that they sent prospect Lucas Elvenes uh, through unconditional waivers. It was thought he'd be heading over to Sweden after not getting a chance at the NHL level. You could argue he didn't necessarily deserve one. I thought he was a player of promise. He was claimed by Anaheim on unconditional waivers, which I don't think I've seen in a long time. Like, normally, players just end up 
being out of their contract. But it looked to me to or brought me to looking up Vegas's draft history so far. And uh Obviously, it's super interesting since 2017, right? Like, you look at that 2017 class. They traded Cody Glass for Nolan Patrick. They traded Nick Suzuki for Max Pacioretty. They uh, traded Eric Branstrom, obviously, to Ottawa for Mark Stone. They do still have Nick Haig and Lesition and Jonas Romberg, which are, are good players. Aside from that, there's not a ton there yet from that first class. Their 2018 draft... They've only gotten six games out of Paul Cotter. No one else has, has made it yet. 2019, one game from Pavel Dorofayev, and then they traded their number one pick, Peyton Krebs, to Buffalo for Jack Eichel. Mm-hmm. They uh, they really said, screw it, <laughs> in they terms s- of building through the draft. They really said, fuck it. They We're going to shortcut this. No offense to these kids that they have with their prospects, especially like Daniel Chakia and like Zachary Dean, who were like their first overall, like top two picks. God, I'm looking at it. It's just, that's just not, that's, yeah. Yeah. I, I always call them the Vegas high rollers because they just, they just don't care, I guess. They only don't care, but they just don't know how to develop them themselves on there. I mean, is that kind of expected for a friend, for like a, for like a like a new franchise, they don't really know how to develop because they're kind of like new in the space, not like how to develop stuff. But at the same time, you're bringing in guys who know what the hell they're doing. Do you guys need better hockey ops? Uh, better development personnel? Uh, we can talk about some personnel that just got hired. We'll talk about that a little bit later. Yeah. Yeah. Well, so, so for Vegas, the reason why I wanted to look that up is because the news was also out today. Jack Eichel is back in practice. <laughs> Outright practice. Oh my god, no contact. So why bother building through the drafts when you can just say, screw it. We're going to get Max Patcher ready. We're going to get Mark Stone. We're going to get freaking Jack Eichel. And he's going to be able to play before February. It's, it's ridiculous. <laughs> Buffalo so badly botched this. My God. And Vegas is about to add Jack Eichel to a team that, as of uh, the time of recording, the Vegas Golden Knights uh, are currently already first in the Pacific Division. (laughs) Are about to add Jack Eichel. Oh, that Western Conference is a buzzsaw. An absolute buzzsaw. Good Lord. This is the worst timeline. This is the worst timeline to be in. If you're, sorry, architect, um, our, our our like one Buffalo Saber friend listener to the podcast. <laughs> oh, <laughs> I am I am so sorry that uh, your team has disgraced Jack Eichel for the talent and for his body, uh, and for everything that he, he had. I I have no words. I, I can't even say it, but just how do you how do you fuck up that bat? Like I, how do you fuck up that bat? There aren't words for it. There really aren't. But don't worry, we'll get to another fuck up uh, after this quick game. The Rangers beat the Ducks four to one. Mika Sabanajad's twelfth of the year. Defenseman Ryan Lindgren had two goals. Good game. The LA Kings beat the Detroit Red Wings four to nothing. Cal Peterson shutout. 
Uh, shout out to uh, Adrian Kempe, who scored his 15th of the year. He has been much, much better this year than what prior analytics from the past few seasons would indicate. Um, also, the Kings outshot Detroit 27-1 to in the first period of this game. Surprise, surprise, they ended up winning 4 to nothing. Ridiculous. <laughs> but we're not so much talking about the Kings on ice. We're talking about the Kings off ice. As they have hired a, a consulting capacity as senior advisor to the general manager... Mark Bergevin. And Endo, dare I say, it's about time. It's about time that an old white man with prior experience and a losing track record gets an opportunity at an NHL front office. It's about time. What the fuck is that is that, that position? What is, what is that title? Fucking consulting capacity to senior manager to the general manager at the at the barrel at the bottom of the sea? Like, what? what is... <laughs> There's a hole in the bucket of the barrel the in the pharaoh and the ferret at the bottom of the sea. Like I feel like at this point, people just make up names for things and be like, yeah, um, just stand there and look pretty. Like what 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 is going on? Like just say he's like and just say he's like a guy. Just 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 call just just give his position name Burger Van. Just just do that. Like, don't Pick up some long-winded titles so that way you sound like you're smart and not huffing your own farts in meetings. Like, it's... I, I don't get it. Their powers combined. Mark Bergevin and Rob Blake. They might just be able to win a title. Fucking... Oh, LA, you suck. Have fucking, fun. Fucking throw Have fun getting someone with such a winning pedigree. Oh, my God. Good job. On Sunday, uh, the St. Louis Blues beat the Dallas Stars. Again, we talked about both these teams. They're both doing pretty well. Uh, this was highlighted by the fact that, uh, well, aside from Jordan Cairo and Jason Robertson both being great, uh, Stars head coach Rick Bonus was fined $25,000 for smashing his stick on the bench after the Blues won in frustration with officiating. Good for Rick Bonus. I love whenever coaches go crazy. Like, my, my highlight is always, like, I, in terms of watching coaches lose it, Jim Playfair, I think he was the head coach of the Windsor Spitfires at this point. Yeah. Infamous clip. Uh, he went full Hulk Hogan. Not in terms of racism that we know of. <laughs> Never go full Hulk Hogan that way. Um, my God. Or full, as he's been trending on Twitter today, anti-vaccine Hulk Hogan. Um, oh, my God. Never, <laughs> never oh my go 25% Hulk Hogan. <laughs> oh, my God. Like anything over 25%, you'll start creeping on your own daughter. Hulk Hogan fucking sucks. Oh, my God. Anyway. Okay, quick, quickly. <laughs> my favorite picture out of anything that, like, wrote itself <laughs> is the picture of Hulk Hogan riding NWA on the van. And it's just the <laughs> no, it's N. <laughs> It's just the end. Like, it's a top-notch meme. <laughs> oh god. Anyway, Jim Playfair like had a suit jacket on and just fucking ripped it open, and it was uh, it was the best looking. Father up, of um, noted uh, actor of Letterkenny fame, uh, Dylan Playfair. I think that's uh, Jonesy. Yeah. Yeah. Only other game on Sunday: the Anaheim Ducks beat the Detroit Red Wings four to three in a shootout. Highlighted by the fact that the Anaheim Angels rally monkey dropped the opening face-off. Uh, or the ceremonial face-off. <laughs> and those reactions, incredible. I, I saw, um, uh, I saw uh, a quote, uh, a tweet on Twitter. I was like, we live in a day and age where a, where a monkey dropped the puck on the ice. And I'm like, can you please elaborate on this? Because we're, because, excuse me? 
<laughs> I'm like, this can be taken Jesus. two different ways, and I really don't want to be wrong. God. Uh, God. Boy. For the Ducks, Trevor Zegers scored his ninth. Troy Terry scored his 26th. Oh, God. Losing it. Excuse me. That was awful. It's okay. We're leaving this in. We're leaving it in. Oh, it's the water. Oh. Troy Terry scored his 22nd of the year. Max Comtois finally got his first goal of the year after playing in 18 games, which was surprising. Uh, for the Red Wings in the loss, 16 goals for Bertuzzi, 10 for Nemesnikov. The bigger uh, announcement for the Red Wings, uh, Nicholas Lidstrom is back in the fold. He has been hired in one of Endo's freaking word jambalaya titles uh, as vice president of hockey ops. That one's a bit more simple. That's very um, simple to the point. Vice operation is. of hockey <laughs> operations. Not the not fucking <laughs> consulting capacity to the to the makeshift title of the <laughs> to the czar. To the czar of the of the barrel of the bottom of the sea. Like I don't need that. Just be right to the point. Hockey ops. Not oh I I'm gonna consult my advisor with the with the sun. The general manager. <laughs> ah. It is worth noting on Twitter. Tim Peel, back at it again with the tweets and the white vans. Hearing Evander Kane will be signing in the next few hours with the Edmonton Oilers. As Endo puts down the headset and walks away. So uh, by the time this podcast is out, you guys will know whether or not that is actually happened, but um, well, Edmonton, you may have gotten that insurance that you needed. Let's hope that, uh, let's hope that he's a good fit for the locker room culture. Although at the same time, if you have the right pieces in place, do you really need a Vander Kane? If the answer is from within the locker room, do you need to bring somebody new into the locker room? On Monday, the Boston Bruins beat the Washington Capitals. <laughs> All right, Endo, go ahead. We'll let you. God is dead and we've killed him. Anyways, back again with this with the team we're talking about right now. I, I'm sorry, but just, oh, boy. It's fine. God. So. Yep. Yeah, I know. Yep. Just, just go on with it. Just move on. Yeah. He'll be a good fit play style for that team, but we'll see if it lasts. The Bruins actually beat the Capitals, much like they somehow beat the Lightning. And granted, the Bruins beat the Caps in the playoffs recently, but the Bruins beat the Caps seven to three. The Bruins were down two to nothing, and then were up five to two, six to two, actually. Uh, two more goals for David Pasternak. He's up to thirteen. Two more goals for Brad Marchand. He's up to sixteen. Despite the fact that it looked like Brad Marchand's nose was severed from his face, uh, thanks to a high stick from Nick Dowd. So a bloody Brad Marchand with two goals. Um, Connor Sherry with two goals as well for the Caps. He's up to 10 on the year. Um, Patrice Bergeron made a highlight reel save. I know what I said. Stopping an Evgeny Kuznetsov shot. And Matt Grizzlick in this game uh, posted five points against the Caps. Five-point game for Matt Grizzlick. He was the first defender in a Bruins uniform to do that in our lifetimes. Endo. The last Bruins defender to have a five-point game was Ray Bork on January 2nd of 1994. I could have called Coincidentally, also against Washington. Yeah, Yeah, I knew the goalie in that game. It was Jim Carrey or some shit. (laughs) net detective. Not that Jim Carrey, but... uh, (laughs) Hold on, let's see. Washington 
Capitals, 93-94. Let's see. Who could have been in goal that game for the Caps? Either Don Bupre, Rick Tabaracci, Byron Defoe, or Ole Kolzig. It was one of those four, and they got destroyed. So, a good win for the Bruins. The Bruins now 19-11-2. Things are looking pretty good. It was a really solid game, really solid comeback. When they were down to nothing, I said, oh, good, they're cooked. And then the other news for the Boston Bruins today. Tuka Rask's PTO with the Providence Bruins done before Yay. he could play a single game. Jeremy Swayman has been sent to Providence. He is not eligible for the taxi squad. Jeremy Swayman is now on the Providence Bruins. Uh, this year, Sway had a, honestly, a pretty strong save percentage, as I pointed out in the last show, uh, rocking at, and I'm trying to find that official number here, it was a 918 in 16 games. Pretty damn good. Yeah. The reason why Jeremy Swayman was sent down is Tuka Rask is officially once again a Boston Bruin. He has signed a one-year deal. Tuka is back, as we all knew he would be, and it's a beautiful, beautiful day. Yeah, this morning I said uh, Tuka Rask going to sign some like weird, obscure contract that pays him like league minimum and donates like part of his earnings like a puppy charity, like foundation. And then we find out that he's signing like one mil for a year and he's getting half of that mil. I'm like, what did I tell you? It's some uh-huh. weird clause that like, basically tells him that he gets paid less money because he doesn't need it and doesn't want it. I think Tuka is going to retire um, as a Bruin. 100%. I agree. I completely agree. I mean, it's a very, very team-friendly deal. I'm excited to see what he can do. You know, Don Sweeney in the press conference, the quotes coming out of it, of course, that Swayman's still the guy for the future. But they feel this was the right move now. And at the very least, they have three NHL-caliber goaltenders on their club. Yeah. So I am quite happy with that. <laughs> As you should be. Final two games to talk about. The Kings beat the Rangers 3-2. to two. Again, I mentioned Adrian Kempe earlier in this episode. He's up to 16 goals in the year now. Uh, and highlights to check out. Drew Doughty landed an awesome hip check on Philip Heedle. Um, so good for Drew Doughty. He's not completely useless on the ice anymore. And <laughs> that, that's for Crash Andrews right there. Twitch.tv forward slash Crash Andrews. And end of the final game. Colorado won again. They beat the Seattle Kraken 4-3. Uh, two goals from Nicholas Obey Kubel. He's up to four. Seventh goal of the year for Devon Taves. His sixth, of course, the overtime winner against the Leafs. Nazem Kadri, his 13th of the year. Uh, and Jared McCann for the Kraken scored his 14th. But Nazem Kadri's 13th of the year is what I want to talk about here. The Colorado Avalanche are a juggernaut. In terms of the NHL's current point-per-game leaders... The Avs have four of the top seven players on that list. McKinnon's first, Kadri's third, Rantanen fifth, and Landeskog seventh. The West is a buzzsaw. And so is the East. My God, is it going to be stressful for anybody whose team makes the playoffs this year? Because I do not think... There is such a thing as a slam dunk cup favorite. Not even close. There are way too many competitive teams this year. Um, in terms of parity in the NHL, my opinion, it very much exists. At least this season. It's going to be ridiculous. I can't wait until the playoffs. 
as yeah. Endo, still yeah. still in shock over the Avenger game. <laughs> oh, God. At One more face palm. At least you don't got to get rid of your first round pick. At least you don't got to get rid of your first round pick. He found a way to yeah. save the pick. There you go. There you go. No picks, no prospects, baby. No, no Ken Holland Masterclass. That's the title <laughs> of the episode. We got there. there we made go. it. <laughs> oh, man. Ken Holland it's like, is the damn. chef. Oh, my God. Oh, God. <laughs> Ken Holland MasterChef. <laughs> this team is raw. <laughs> oh, we need some God. seasoning. Get the black <laughs> guy. Get the seasoning. <laughs> His own problem doesn't matter. <laughs> Everybody, thank you for listening to another episode of the podcast. It is greatly appreciated. It is, of course, brought to you once more by our friends at Manscaped. Code to get checkout, twenty percent off free worldwide shipping. We'll be back this Friday with Mister Sin for the win. The guys, the fellows, will be reunited. Catch Endo everywhere at Endo Mills. I am at Tuki Twenty Four. <laughs> Ken Holland Master Chef. That's a graphic you need to make right now. <laughs> I'll try my best. <laughs>